Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Well, good morning, church. I hope you guys are doing well this weekend. I hope you enjoyed the cool breeze when you walked out of your home and got in the car. You can give God praise for that. You know, some of y'all hate the summer. Your prayers have been answered. And uh, what I remember, not to be too spiritual, is the weather changes, but what a time for us to change, huh? In our heart of hearts and in different things. So, like Bronson said, my name is Amir. Uh, I'm one of the pastors at our Conway campus and just excited to be here with you guys. We oversee an internship program. We help with some outreach, too, doing some city service stuff. And uh, we, we're just honored to play a small part in the vision that God's given our church, Pastor Rick and Michelle. And, of course, we love Bronson and Callie a whole lot. Look up to them a whole lot. I know you guys love them as well. My wife, Bethany, is here with me right now. I want to introduce my family. Uh, me and Beth have been married. This summer, we hit four years. Watch out, world. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we got all the answers. <laughs> That's a joke. Okay. But uh, she is my best friend, my better half. And we met in church. So I'm unashamed to say, if you're single, you can look around and check out some eyebrows and maybe a forehead. Some of y'all are like, don't look at my forehead. It's the one part I don't want you to look at. But we believe church is a great place to meet someone. And we have one, uh, one child right now. His name is Dax. He is 16 months old. We have a family photo. Uh, that is my little brown boy, Dax. This is a rare event, guys. Two, three weeks ago, we got to walk with this couple. We used to be college pastors from their freshman year, and they got married. I mean, they met a year ago, but we, since they were single. And so I got to do the wedding. Beth was a bridesmaid, and then they asked Dax to be a ring bearer, as much as a 16-month-old can be a ring bearer, right? So Beth was just hold his head. But this is, this is epic. And one thing to notice about my son, uh, he has a curly mullet. You can't see it in this photo, but it's probably one of my favorite things uh, about him. But there's a toddler, even though his, like, pant legs kind of ride up, a toddler in a suit's never going to get old, right? It might be one of the coolest things ever. We, he's 16 months, but we had to give him a 12-month suit because the, the other one was a little big, and then they look like skinny jeans, like the pants on him walking down the aisle. Uh, I have a story about him. I've been telling the story uh, relentlessly for three weeks, so if somehow you've already heard this, and you know, I don't even know you. I don't care. I love it so much. So three weeks ago today, we got home from church. We're eating lunch, and, you know, you're trying to teach your kids some stuff, and so we pray over the food, you know, like loudly, not screaming, but like, God, thank you for this food, Jesus' name, amen. You know, we just try to pray real quick if we remember. So we do that. I pray over the food. God, thank you for this food. I pray you bless it, Jesus' name, amen. And my son looks up and he says, man, <laughs> And I said, what? And he said, man, He gave me a little cheesy grin. And I was like, we've made it in life. We've made it as parents. Next month, he's going to do the one-year Bible plan, and uh, he'll be a scholar in no time. <laughs> Uh, but no, we love being parents. Definitely has its challenges. You parents know that, but the blessing and joy far outweigh that. Amen. Uh, but I want to I jump into the scriptures today. And if you've been following along, we started this thing called the Life of Christ. It's a kind of a Devo, a church-wide study. If you haven't heard about it, we'll refer to it today. and We'll give you some details how you can join with us. But last week, we kind of talked about the same stories a few times. And where I'm going to be in scripture this morning is Matthew 7. Uh, starting in verse 24. If you want to turn your Bibles there, I'll read it shortly. It'll be on the screen shortly. But Matthew 7, verse 24. And the story we're going to read about today that we've been going through this week is about two men, Jesus is speaking, but about two men who build a home. And one builds it wisely, he says, and one builds it very foolishly. And just some context, this comes at the very end of what Scripture calls the Sermon on the Mount. And it was kind of like many days of Jesus preaching from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7 uh, on a hillside. And so we don't know how many days, but it wasn't one day, just 
biblical principle, kingdom of God principle, values of his kingdom. He's just teaching and teaching and teaching. He gets to this story. And it's the last one, and he's talking about how to build our life on a solid foundation. So I'm going to read to us Matthew 7, verse 24. I'm in the NIV. If you're ready, say ready. Awesome. Scripture says this. This is Jesus speaking, red letters. Therefore, everyone who hears these words, you're hearing them right now, of mine and puts them into practice, and then he gives an analogy, an illustration, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock, verse 25. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and it beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Thank you, God, for that. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. You might have heard this verse before, scripture before. Verse 26, conversely, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. That even sounds silly. How would you build a house on sand? Well, this guy did. Verse 27, same circumstances. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Same men, both men hear Jesus' words. One applies them, builds on the rock. One does not, builds on the sand. And Scripture says when the things of life happened to him, there was a crash. And I can personally identify with this story uh, because a little bit about my stories. I didn't give my life to Jesus right until right before I turned 20 uh, in college. I went to college at UCA in Conway. And uh, before that, and even a few years after I gave my life to Christ, I think I, if I were to apply this scripture in my life, I definitely built on sand. And I can sit up here and tell you in my family or even me personally during that season of my life how I had some crash moments in a small way in some big way, but it wasn't until I started to really live on the Word of God, apply the Word of God, obey the Word of God, that I started to see breakthrough, that I started to see change in my life, that I started to see spiritual growth, that I started to see freedom from things that used to hold me back. And no shocker there, Jesus says, if you hear my words and put them into practice, it's like you're building on the rock. So this is what I want to do this morning. We're going to unpack this scripture. We're going to look at, let's, comp- let's compare and contrast these guys. What are some things they do similarly, and then what are some things they do differently? And then I just want to give you two simple points of, okay, hey, if we want to be wise and build our house, build our life on the rock to have a solid foundation, how can we do that according to this passage? Let's start with this. What is a foundation? If that's kind of the key thought for this morning, the illustration Jesus is giving about a house on a foundation, I am no architect, I am no construction man, but... Some research, and I think some of this is common sense, the foundation comes first in building a home. It's where you start. Arguably, it's the most important part of a home. And the rest of the house, you know, physically sets on it, rests on it, is built upon it. Well, every life has a foundation. Your life, whether you're conscious of it or not, has some kind of foundation you're building it on, that you're building everything from. Uh, It's what's most important to you. You can filter things through this. Your values the decisions you make, if you really stop to think about it. And really, when storms come, this is where we turn. Or let me say it this way, this is what we depend on, what's below us, the foundation of our life. Let me give you some examples. For some, their foundation is success or the desire to have success. Not necessarily an evil foundation. For some, it's money. Some, it's our kids. Some, it's addictions. Some, it's maybe a a desire to control or to be perfect, and y'all, we know and I know we're never going to be perfect. For me, probably my sand was when I, when I was a new believer and even years before that was probably the opinion and approval of others. 
man, if, if I was good in my friend's eyes, I was standing strong. But if one day my friends maybe gave me a hard time or I felt a little insecure by what was going on in my thoughts, uh-oh, all of a sudden I'm on sand. And Jesus said, well, what happens when the storms come of your life? Well, then scripture says that there could be a crash, but God's heart for us is that our foundation would be in Jesus, secure, stable. So let's look at some things these guys have in common. Matthew 7, observation number one, well, what they have in common is they both had the same dream to build, right? So then this passage, they're going to build a house. I think we can imagine their goal was probably for their family, for their kids, um, for the kids to do well, to make a difference in this life. If we're honest, we all want to build things in our life. We want to we build our relationship with the Lord. We want to make a difference in this life. We're building towards some things. That's a great aspiration. They both heard the words of Jesus. They were both at this place, or at a different time, he's telling a story. They both heard the words of God. If we apply that today, that'd be like everyone in this place is hearing right now the word of God. But the difference was who applied it. And scripture even says the man who did not apply it was foolish. So today, not what I'm saying, but if you apply these, don't apply these words to your life, you might fall in the foolish category. I hope you're encouraged this morning <laughs> today at church. Don't call me a fool, Amir. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. They both go through the same storm. You know, being a Christian is not the absence of storms. I wish it was. Some of you might be in one right now. The pandemic, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's job or lack of a job, trying to go back to a job, racial injustice, hello, very real. This is a storm kind of things in our life. Maybe you're coming out of one in Jesus' name and the grace of God and the people around you, the local church has helped you and helped you navigate through it. He says the rains come and the floods and the winds describing this storm. Well, some examples that could be today, maybe for you, the storm could be broken relationships that you wish were mended. Stress, anxiety, very real, maybe more real than ever. Uh, pain, grief, loss, when you lose someone or when you have a hard transition, there's grief there, and that's okay. Uh, maybe it's financial, just storm, there's a lot of challenges. You're doing everything you can. You're working faithfully, and the numbers still aren't out enough. You need, God to, you need God to touch your family, to touch the finances of your life. Maybe it's spiritual warfare. I don't know. But this is what I love about storms in our life. The promise from God at his word is, hey, we're going to have storms. But if we'll build our, our, our house, our life on the word, we'll never have to go through the storms alone. Can I get an amen? That Jesus wants to be our strong foundation. Scripture says in the Psalms, ever-present help in times of trouble, our support. I was reminded of the song Cornerstone. Hillsong, Christ alone. I can't sing like James. Cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. I love it, old school in there. Then what does it say? Sing with me. Through the storm. You know the words. He is Lord. Don't be shy. Lord of all. And then it goes bing, 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 bing. Okay. Through the storm, he is Lord. Why? When he's your cornerstone. When he's your foundation, <laughs> the storms are come. Well, what do they not have in common? Well, obviously, the biggest contrast is what they did with the word of God. And we have that choice really every day when we get into the word, when we hear the word, when we read the word. One put it into practice. He did it. He applied it. He obeyed it. Jesus described him as a foundation of rock. And if you really were to think about this, think that that probably took a plan 
You can't just snap your fingers and there's a foundation of a home. There's design, there's energy, effort. You got to dig. You got to pour some concrete. And in our life spiritually, sometimes we got to dig. Sometimes we got to invest. It's expensive. But how many of y'all know when we talk about Jesus, he paid the price for us. He laid his life down the cross. We just have to receive and accept him. It takes time. Your walk with God takes time, one day at a time. You're walking with the Lord. The other guy, though, he enjoyed the message, didn't apply any of it. His foundation was on the sand. Why? I don't know. Maybe it was because sand is quick. Maybe he's busy. We can get busy in life. Sand is painless. It's easy. You can just start putting up walls fast. It's cheaper. <laughs> doesn't cost as much. You know, what's interesting is externally, if we had a picture of these homes Jesus is describing, I wonder if they looked very similar. But if we looked at them structurally, there's a huge difference. Some of y'all today, I've been here, you might on the outside, physically, mentally, emotionally, have it all together. But if we looked at the structure of your heart, if we looked at the structure of your foundation, how's it going? This is where Jesus is pleading to us, let me be your rock. Let my word be your rock and your strong foundation. Why? We've, we own a home right now, and by the grace of God, we don't have a foundation problem. But, you know, you fix things. Our AC went out a month ago. It's fun. I didn't fix the AC, but, you know, you got to pay for stuff. Homeowner life. But oftentimes, in homes, there can be maybe cracks in walls or, you know, door frames can be uneasy and issues in the flooring. And and oftentimes, if you really look at it, that's a symptom of a bigger problem. And the bigger problem often is there's a problem in the foundation of the home. And I see this all the time. Uh, tension in the home, issues in our health, lack of hope. And we do these things to, to patch it up, to do a quick fix every month or every couple months when really the problem is our foundation. We never built our foundation on the rock. It was on sand. And what I want for you guys as one of your pastors, I want you to have a skyscraper of a building in Jesus' name. But these big skyscrapers, if you've even reached them, they got to go down hundreds of feet, hundreds of feet to build something really tall. And so our heart for today is the church, man, as followers of Jesus, we got to be on the rock. And that's what we see in this scripture. So what do we do, Amir? I just want to give you two simple points, and we'll finish up and pray. How can we be wise? How can we be like this man that Jesus describes Point number one, wise people, they focus on loving Jesus. I don't want to overcomplicate it. Wise people focus. We, scripture says in Hebrews, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We focus on loving Jesus, letting that be our motivation, letting that be our goal. Jesus said this in John 14, 15. If you love me, conditional statement, you obey my commands. I wonder if you ever said that so, and if you love me, you would do this. He says, and then listen to the promise. I love Jesus. Next verse. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to love me, I need you to obey my word. I need you to apply my word. And then he takes him, Father, hey, and to help you, I'm going to send you my spirit. And he's going to be a friend to you, a helper to you, an advocate to you, a comfort to you, depending on your translation, which are all amazing things from the Holy Spirit. My wife, Bethany, her highest love language is acts of service. Funny story, the first time we took an engagement, she had four languages that tied as her number one. I was like, what was I supposed to do? And she was like, babe, that means you can do anything. And husband's done, I was like, that does not mean I can do anything. There's one of them that's right. Y'all know that. So I picked acts of service. So for Beth, every day if I can just think whether she asked or not, if I can serve her today, I know it blesses her. Obviously, as her husband, I'm called to do that already. But to express my love for her, and even going further, if Beth says, 
hey, I need this done. She expresses it. I want to do it. And in the same way, Jesus says, hey, these are my words. I want you to do them. I'm trying to make it clear. This is what I ask from you. This is how you handle that situation. This is how you love these people. Will you do it? And I know focusing on Jesus, I, I know that can sound easy, but let's be real, it's hard. We all have responsibility in life, uh, challenges in life, distractions, needs, no doubt. I, I totally understand that. Okay, a couple weeks ago, we had some friends over, uh, another couple in our church, close friends, and Beth said, hey, will you grill for them? I was like, sure. We love having people in our home. I love to grill. I'm not the best griller, but I love to grill. I'm, uh, I'm getting better at it. So, I was like, what do you want me to grill, babe? She said, I want you to grill burgers. I love your burgers. I said, thank you, babe. I love my burgers, too. So I'm very blessed by you saying that. Uh, so I'm going to grill some burgers. Okay, so I, got, I come home from the gym. I'm preparing the meat. We're in bedtime routine, right? So Beth is feeding our son, getting bath water ready. I'm, like, preparing the meat, starting the grill, cleaning up his toys. No big deal. This is a nightly thing, right? All our parents know. And so we're doing all these things. I get distracted. I'm super hungry. Because I had just left the gym, and I hadn't eaten yet because I'm trying to wait on the burger. So I'm, like, preparing it, and then the grill just, that's, just starts to smell amazing. You know what I'm saying? So then, okay, I'm preparing all this stuff. Well, they get here. We set the table, put the food out, and I'm super hungry now. And I'm, like, trying to be a, a good host, let them make their plates. Don't start eating before them. I'm, like, about to buy my burger. Best like, babe, do you want to pray? Oh, yeah, prayer. Okay, set my burger down. I love the Lord. I would love to pray. Okay, pray in Jesus' name, amen. I start eating way too fast. I'm a fast eater. Forgive me. And I'm listening, trying to be a good listener. No, I was really hungry, but I did listen. And right as no exaggeration, I had like one bite of my burger left. They said, Amir, these burgers are great. And I was like, thank you. Amen. And then I realized, I looked down, I was like, I don't even remember eating 90% of my burger. I was so hungry. I like missed it all. I didn't even get to savor it. And so no lie, I tried not to draw attention to myself, but I ate that last bite really slow. <laughs> Lord, thank you for being my provider. And I tried to really savor it. Because I was so distracted, I missed the whole burger. And the fries and stuff is cool, but I'm, I, want, I want the meat. You know, I'm, I'm an American man. Come on now. And you know what I realized is this happens so many times in life with our relationship with Jesus. We're entertaining so many things. We're spinning, keeping plates spinning. We're on our phones, distractions, and we take our focus off of Jesus. We miss moments with him that maybe he's even orchestrated before, Ephesians 2, good works in advance. But the Bible sometimes tells us sometimes we got to be still, slow down, enjoy loving Jesus. Man, the gospel is always good. Man, this scripture is very powerful. Man, Jesus, you are amazing. Can I just acknowledge my love for you and see my love for you? But we focus on loving God. But guys, we got needs in life. Raise your hand if, you're, if, you, if you, you or someone in your family, someone you know, has a need in life. They need God to do something in their life. And you're like, amen, most of, not all of us. I have needs in my life. You have needs. And we can even pray like this. If, I, if we were to pray like Solomon, God, give me wisdom. For me, it's like, God, give me wisdom to follow you. God, give me wisdom to love and serve my wife and son. God, give me wisdom to try to pastor people in a global pandemic. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. Do I call them? Do I text them? Do I go meet with them? I don't want to freak them out. You know, like, I'm just trying to pastor I could pray like Moses, God, I need a miracle. I need you to split the Red Sea. Me and Beth are believing for family members who still don't know Jesus. That's a miracle. I want them to know God. I want them to be forgiven. I want them to be set free. There's a man right now in Conway, went to his house last Sunday, who's, he is not doing well. His cancer has came back. And we're like, literally, Jesus, we need a miracle. He, he's an amazing man of God, faithful member of our church, serves every weekend. And, he, and he's getting this clinical trial, and we're just believing in faith. 
But I don't pray enough like David sometimes in the Psalms, crying out to God, praising God, singing to God, just showing God how much I love him, I adore him, I don't need anything from him. In Psalm 27, he says, Jesus, the only thing I seek, the one thing I ask, that I may dwell in your house forever. I may gaze on your beauty. I may seek you until I find you. Just a love and affection for God. And here's something that has been shared with me recently that is rocking my world. So as a good pastor, I'm going to share it with you. And it's this, that just because our need for God is going up doesn't mean your love for him is also. I'm going to say that again. Just because your need for God is going up, it doesn't mean your love for him is also. If you're like me, oftentimes my need from God comes before my love for God. And God wants to know your needs. Two paragraphs before in in Matthew 7, he says, ask, seek, and knock. He wants to know your needs. But if you're like me, I can get so focused on my needs, I miss loving Jesus. Disciples said, Jesus, how do we pray? And he says, hey, tell your father, father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, I love you. I praise you first. And I can miss that. But I want to get back to focusing on loving Jesus. Well, how do we do that? Just a point of application. I think sometimes we can overcomplicate it. It goes back to just spending time with God every day. You know, when me and Beth were dating, um, things were, it felt different when I was dating Beth. But the more I spent time with Beth, the more I got to know her. And the more I got to know her, the more my feelings grew for her. And then that would progress even for a love for her. And I think the same is really for, for the Lord. It doesn't have to be complex. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you're going to get to know him. The more you get to know him, the more you're going to fall in love for him. Because you're going to see how much he loves you and cares about you and the words that he speaks over that he wants you to apply his life. And what better way to do it, shameless plug, than to jump into this life of Christ study with us. One day at a time, we get a devo and we're learning about Jesus, studying his life and the things he said. I dare you to fully commit to that over the next few months. I double dog dare you. <laughs> I haven't said that since I was 18. Why? Because after months, we're going to learn and know Jesus, and I believe that's going to translate to a love for him, a greater love for him. So we're going to grow by focusing our love on Jesus. Number two, last point, and then we'll go back to worship. Wise people, they put God's word into practice. Wise people put God's word into practice, so we're going to focus on loving Jesus, but we're going we're gonna to put the words into practice like this man did. The difference, again, that we see in these two men, one put the word of God into practice. We can say it this way. Both had biblical information. One had biblical application. I heard this quote. I was reminded of it when I was preparing for you guys. The only difference between a believer in Christ and a follower of Christ is obedience. A lot of people, myself was there, we believe in Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. But sometimes a lot of people don't follow Jesus. And if you're like, Amir, what's that gap? It's obedience. God, I hear your words. I'm going to be a doer of your word. God, I hear your words. I want to apply your word. I want to pray your word. So my question for you is, God and his word, your foundation this morning, today in life. I know a lot's going on this year. This is a challenge, but not not to condemn you. It's to kind of see, do we need to get realigned or we're a little off track? Because remember, the foundation is where we start. It's where we build. And if you're like, well, Mira, I'm not sure. Here's how you can tell. Here's a simple test. If you have a problem come up, a challenge in life, a question, where do you go first? Or who do you go to first? For some of you, it's mom and dad. That's okay. For some of you, it's a best friend. For some of you, it's social media. For some of you, it's education. 
For some of you, it's Dr. Phil. I can't say that without laughing. I have no problem with Dr. Phil. It's just, he's an OG. He's been doing it for a long time, helping a lot of people. Most of us, somewhere along the way, if we'd be honest, we go to these other things and we try to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in our own plan. Like, like some seasoning, like some Tony Satries, you know what I'm saying? When really, he wants to be our go-to. And I mean, I, I do this sometimes with my wife. My wife is often my go-to, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with those things. But w- what we see is this, what we realize, what, go- what we go to first, it will reveal our foundation. So if you're like, what's the test day? What do I go to first in these times? Question, distress. That's probably your foundation. And some of these foundations are good things. But people cannot be there like Jesus can. TV and media can't be there like Jesus can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote in a couple months. We're not going to get political. But that whoever is elected, they're not going to be our hope like Jesus can. They can't be our foundation. I hope they do amazing things for our country. They can't be our foundation. It's just the reality. So what do we do? We've got to put these words in practice. Our goal is to go to the source first. God, what do you have to say about me? God, what does your word have to say about this situation? God, how can I put that into practice and obey it? Because there's something about when you start to apply the word of God, things change. It's like the word is activated. It's kind of like this. Do you or one of your neighbors have a motion sensor light? Maybe on their front porch or on your driveway, if you're ever walking with your family or walking a dog or you're just walking outside, maybe I don't know why you'd walk outside by yourself, but you totally can, and the motion sensor light comes on. The motion sensor light simply comes on when it detects movement. And I believe the Word of God is the same way. It's motion sensor. When a man or woman says, hey, I'm going to put this Word in practice, it's as if the Holy Spirit comes in and activates the Word, and we begin to build our life on Jesus. And this is why Jesus said, when the storms come, In the rains and the winds and the floods, you'll be able to stand and not fall. Why? Because you built on my foundation. You applied the word and you allowed the spirit of God to be with you to stand. So my encouragement this morning is really simple. Hey, are you building on the rock or are you building on the sand? Just a self-evaluation. So something we can ask from time to time, and I believe some simple practical application from Matthew 7, Jesus, we want to focus on loving you daily. I think it will help me have the right foundation. Jesus, when I hear your word, and with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I want to apply your word. Sometimes it's really hard. No, I don't want to, I don't want to share that word with someone else. That's great. I need to apply it to myself first. I need to read the word for me. I need to hear the word here at church for me first. And then Jesus, I'm going to apply it. And Jesus said this, when you do that, you're going to live on the rock. And that doesn't promise your, your life won't have any challenges or issues, but it does promise that you'll be able to stand, that you'll be secure, that Jesus will be your foundation, and you'll be able to walk through this life full of faith. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.